Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at the life of St. John Vianney. I could talk for hours, but I'm not going to because I know it's hot. And I once had a parish priest tell me and his parishioners, if you think it's hot here, it's much hotter in hell. Um, not my style of humor. I would never say that um, because I personally think hell is cold. And if you've ever been a part of like a negative 30 degree day with wind, and there's a thing called freezer burn, right? So um, I personally think hell is cold because you can't move, you're stuck, you don't want to be there. Um, that's just me. So let's talk about St. John Vianney, and I believe he's going to touch each of your hearts tonight because he's touched mine so much. If you don't know what St. John Vianney looks like, this is an icon. So I have him here with me in an icon, and I also have a, um, a second-class relic here with me as well of him, so he'll be interceding for us. So the life of St. John Vianney. He was born in the year 1786 in France, and his road to the priesthood was not an easy one. He was actually asked to leave, or people are saying you're not smart enough because he just had intellectual troubles. So maybe you find yourself there. I have that. You have that in common with him. Or maybe you just had a lot of challenges in your life right now. He had a lot of challenge in his life. But when he was finally ordained, he was assigned to a rural parish in Ars, France. And his care for his parishioners was extraordinary. His mortification, his discipline, his prayer and good works became the talk not only of the town, but of the entire country of France. He was unrelentingly and palpably attacked by the devil, which I'll talk about in a moment. Penitents, those who go to confession, would flock to him in droves. People would wait sometimes two or three days just to go to confession to the cure of ours. Often he exhibited a supernatural knowledge of the sinner's soul, the penitent's soul, that would only be given from him by the Holy Spirit. He would end up dying in the year 1859 on August 4th which is why we celebrate his feast day today. And Father Vianney, when he arrived in ours, he arrived at the parish after an unparalleled cultural and political upheaval in France known as the French Revolution. And the revolution, it spawned secularism, much like today, right? And it had permeated much of France. The people could not seem to find time for Sunday Mass, but they found time for different festivities, much like today. And religious ignorance, knowledge of the faith, knowledge of who Jesus is, was rampant in adults and in children, much like today. But ironically, the efforts of a revolution to replace worship of the living God with the goddess of being enlightened, or the goddess of reason, reaped fruit in the widespread in the form of illiteracy. People couldn't read. And only a minority of the people in ours could read. So let's dive into the wisdom of St. John Vianney. And most people are just fascinated by his life, especially with his experience of the devil. So let's go there first, because people are always curious what happened with him. So one famous story is in 1826 when he was at a parish mission. The first night, all of the priests heard loud noises coming from Father Vianney's room. 
he would say, it is the grappen. That's his name for the devil. And people would say, to the, say about Father Vianney, he is angry. But Father Vianney would say, no, the devil is angry because a lot of good is going to happen. But most people refuse to listen to Father Vianney, even to believe in him. They would say, you don't eat. You don't sleep. It's your head playing tricks on you. Maybe you've been attacked by the evil one and you think, ah, it's just my head, but maybe it's actually the evil one. The next night at the parish mission, a loud noise was heard, which a priest said resembled the moving of a heavy cart. And it went throughout the whole rectory where they were staying. The whole house began to shake like an earthquake, and they thought it was about to crumble. Then they heard terrifying noises coming from Father Vianney's room, and one of the priests exclaimed, the cure of ours is being murdered. And they ran to his quarters to check on him. And when the door was thrown open, they saw the cure of ours. Heavy bed had been hauled into the middle of the room. It's the grappin who has dragged me here, the priest said, smiling but embarrassed and apologetic. I'm sorry, I forgot to warn you adequately beforehand. He then clued them in on a secret that he had discovered about the devil's harassments. Father Vianney would say, this is a good sign. There will be a big fish in the confessional tomorrow. He would often speak of this connection about how when great things were going to happen to people spiritually, the devil is going to attack and try to throw you off track. He would say the tumult is greater than the, and the assaults are more numerous if on the following day something big is about to come. And after a particularly bad night, Father Vianney came into the church and stated, the devil gave me a good shaking last night. We shall have a great number of people tomorrow. Such advertising led him to begin to look at the devil almost as a collaborator. The grappin is very stupid, Father Vianney would say to his penitents. He himself tells me of the arrival of big sinners. For that reason, the grappin and I are almost comrades, he would say. The devil also seeks to divert us from our vocations. Once when Father Vianney was ill, a young philosophy student went to confession to him. And when he was about halfway through, the whole room began to shake. And the kneeler he was using started to rock violently. Frightened, the young man stood up and was about to flee. The cure of ours grabbed him by the arm and guided him back to the kneeler and said, it's only the devil. At the end of the confession, the cure of ours, Father Vianney, told him that the devil was so serious about disrupting his confession, he might have a vocation to be a priest. Dennis Charland took that very seriously and was later ordained a priest for France. Vianney also had the faculties to perform exorcisms. He did, in fact, do several, and the details of the exorcisms are obvious and ob obvious interest to present exorcists. That he did them at the foot of the altar. He used relics of saints. 
But I think for far greater interest to those of us who are not exorcists is to what we can learn from the cure of ours. About the priesthood, about the Christian life, from what the devil has been doing to people during the, the rite of exorcism. And if what the devil or demon said was true, we can learn quite a bit tonight. The first thing is it's that we need to grasp the incredible importance of even just one priest like Father Vianney. During ec one exorcism, a possessed woman, the devil howled through her and said, if there were three just like you on earth, my kingdom would be destroyed. Speaking of Father Vianney, he could be able to destroy the kingdom of the evil one. He said, the devil that is, you have taken more than 80 souls from me. Such a declaration exclaims why the devil spent so much time to thwart the sleep of St. John Vianney. So the question is, how did he do it? How did he have that intense of a relationship with Jesus that it actually disrupted the devil? Because if you and I are up upsetting the devil, that means we're actually on point. Bishop Ricken often says, if you hit the nail of the head of your vocation straight on, it'll upset the devil. And if you are not having any spiritual warfare, we should be curious why we're not upsetting the devil. So five points for tonight. How did Father Vianney do it? The first point is, he spoke about reform thyself. Reform yourself before you seek out to reform others. He desired to save his own soul. And by that example of his holiness, it drew others to want to be holy. And he made a conscious decision every day to be a saint. Have you done that yet? The second thing was prayer and presence. When he came upon the boundary of his parish for the first time, Father Vianney knelt down and prayed. He was acutely aware that the mission given to him was completely beyond his ability. Have you felt overwhelmed with any things being thrown at you? For that reason, Father Vianney found himself often on, the, on his face laying prostrate in prayer, morning and night, begging even crying, parishioners would say, crying, hearing him praying for the conversion of his parish. My God, he would say, grant me the conversion of my parish. I am willing to suffer all my life whatsoever. It please you to lay upon me. Yes, even a hundred years I am prepared to endure the sharpest pains. Only let my people be converted. Can you hear the love that he desires for his people? Do you have love like that for your people? Prayer and presence. And the main one is the third one because we're in this time of Eucharistic revival. How did Father Vianney take these people who didn't have a clue about much of anything and convert them? He went back to the basics. Liturgy, preaching, and catechesis. He identified the lack of God at the center of people's life as a primary problem, not so much different from today. And he set out to sanctify the Lord's Day, to help people prioritize or reorder their lives. 
He often repeated, Mass is the greatest action we can do. Mass is the greatest action we can do. He would often point at Jesus in the tabernacle and say, He is there. He is there, he would say. He told his people that if they communicated more often with greater love, they would be saints. They would become saints. He gave them hope. He said, come to communion to Jesus. Come to live off him in order to live for him. And he strove for the most beautiful, reverent liturgies because he felt the people needed beauty in their lives. He also challenged parents that it was their responsibility for the spiritual lives of their children. He told parents, it's your responsibility for the spiritual lives of your children. The fourth thing he did is he found common ground. A lot of his parishioners couldn't come to masses when he had them during the week. So he introduced praying a rosary at the church in the evenings for the farmers who couldn't attend the morning mass. In the parishioners' personal lives, he taught them to make a daily examine prayer, do short spiritual reading, practice meditation, and make an offering of their daily sufferings. He never allowed people to put God second, third, fourth, or fifth. He helped them put Christ at the center of everything they did. And the fifth one, and this is why I picked him as my patron saint for priesthood, is his model for parish life. The fifth point is build a fire and fan the coal. The cure of ours focused on the families that were already strong in their faith, which means he had favorites. And those who have actually resisted the worldliness and the indifference, the secularism, he thought, why expand energy on on people he already had? His answer is that he would help them become fiery coals, which would go next to those who were soaked in secularism, soaked in the worldliness, and by setting them next to them, they would dry out all of those sins they struggled with and help set his parish ablaze. So what he did is he found a few families to invest in and commissioned them to go out. He would teach people the importance of mental prayer. He said, mental prayer is like a straw scattered here and there. But if you set it aflame, it makes a lot of little flames. But you gather all those straws into a bundle and light them, and you have a mighty fire rising like a column into the sky. He said public prayer is like that. That's why he wanted people to come together and pray. And to end tonight, again, that popular story about St. John Vianney, the saintly pastor of ours in France. Again, he saw a parishioner who was a farmer often sitting like you are right now, coming to church and just resting with Jesus. And he asked him what he did during his time of adoration. Again, what did the saintly farmer respond? He said, I look at him 
and he looks at me. This is what Eucharistic adoration is. And that's why it's time for our Eucharistic revival because some people look at the God of the universe, the humble heart of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament in the mansions right now, and they get distracted, they get bored. We have to remember that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, he came to make dead people alive. And maybe that's how you feel tonight. I am just dead inside. I am not full of life. Tonight is a special time for us to concentrate exclusively on Jesus present before us and to allow him to look back at us with love. And that's it. St. John Vianney labored with love for souls we set on fire with the love of God. We pray for his love tonight to burn out all that is sinful in us, all that is impure. And may our time be full of, of prayer and adoration to simply look at Jesus and allow him to look at us. This is the most famous prayer of St. John Vianney. He said, I love you, oh my God. My only desire is to love you until my last breath. I love you, oh my infinitely lovable God. And I would rather die loving you than die without loving you. I love you, Lord. And the only grace I ask is to love you eternally. My God, if my tongue cannot say in every moment that I love you, I want my heart to repeat it to you as often as I draw my breath. So we're just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon us and fall upon all of us tonight. So those who are here discerning their vocation can receive the loving gaze of God and have a sense of where he's calling them. And for those of us who are in our vocation tonight, to intercede, to pray your hearts out for our discerners. Maria will lead us in singing this song, Set a Fire, tonight. We are encouraged to sing along. St. Augustine said singing is like prayer twice. And one thing that for us tonight to know is that when we worship God, we praise him in song. We can be so intimidated to do that, but the devil is more intimidated by your worship. That's why we're so terrified to do it. So don't be afraid to sing tonight. And again, the words can be found in your worship aid, and I encourage you to pray along. So come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. Don't just change the way we think, but change the way we live. Amen. St. John Vianney, pray for us.